Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that you've allowed us to be here. Thank you that you've allowed us to just come and to be able to worship freely, not having the fears of somebody breaking in or dragging us off to jail just for worshiping you. Thank you for all the many blessings, even the blessings that we don't even realize that you bestowed upon us. Thank you for those as well. God, we love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 38. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 38. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to, those, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This was very early teaching in the life of the disciples. Jesus gave them a pretty much advanced Christian endurance course, Christian long-suffering course. Because in verse 41, he says, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, I've heard a lot of different ideas on the second mile philosophy. Uh, and honestly, it's a... It's a uh, a service or a theory that a lot of Christians apply to other people and not themselves. Well, they want everybody else. I believe we should go the second mile. I believe that's the way it should be. But they don't do it themselves. And we're not trying to build Pharisees and hypocrites here. We're trying to teach the truth and live the truth so we can spread the truth. But we can't spread what we're not doing, and you can't do what you don't know. So I'm going to help us understand the second mile Christian so we can live it and share that very thing. Again, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. The word compel, force, carries in it application of great inconvenience. So if someone's compelled or forced to do something, that's not always convenient. But yet, there's a readiness to submit to the demand. The Roman mile was 1,000 meters, or 5,000 feet. A little bit shorter than our mile of 5,280 feet, but it was almost the same. So what the Jewish people would do is from their house, they would walk 5,000 paces, and they put a stake in the ground. That way, when the Roman soldiers came and they knocked on the door, and it was a law, they wanted you to carry my burden, carry all my heavy armor, carry all my stuff. And so they had to come out, they take all of it, and they walk right up to that pace that they set down there, that stake, and throw it down. And they walk back. Because they fulfilled the law, and they did exactly what the law said, and then that's it. They're done. They're just dropping it. And you just go on about your business. In this context, when we look at it in verse 41 again, if someone forces you to go one mile, this is not telling the Christians just if a Roman soldier forces you. No, it says if someone forces you. So that applies to more than just what the law says, more than just the Roman soldier. That's anybody. So for you and me, that would be if our neighbor, if our co-worker, 
if our family member, if a church member, if somebody asked us something that was a little bit of an inconvenience, he said, you know what, you not only need to do it, but you need to go even further, even go beyond what's asked you to do. Again, this is important for us to understand. Now, just saying that right there, how does that make you feel? Just thinking that Jesus is saying, don't just do the bare minimum. You need to go beyond. Now, mentally, we're like, yes. But then when you have to get up off that couch or you have to get in the car and go drive over somewhere, that's a whole different attitude then. But he's saying, this is what the Christian life is like. He asks you to go one, go with them two. And so what I want to try to do is to help us put Philippians 2.5 in context, where it says, your attitude to be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Because if this is Jesus' attitude, I'm going to go the second mile. You say you follow me, you need to go the second mile. If we aren't willing to go the second mile, we have to ask ourselves, am I really imitating Jesus? Look at Matthew chapter 27. Now, if you think about it for a minute, Jesus said, this is the attitude we need to have. Now, imagine that same soldier coming, knocking on the house and saying, you need to come out. Jewish person comes out, takes his luggage, takes his armor, walks over to that stake in the ground, and instead of throwing it down, he looks at him and he smiles. He says, let's go. And he carries it another mile. Now, you know that soldier is going to be looking at him like, what in the world is wrong with you? That is not what I was expecting. And that whole second mile that they're walking, that soldier is going to be impacted by what that person just did. See, that's what a Christian does. A Christian impacts other people's lives. It's not just saying something or knowing the right thing to say. It's how you live that impacts somebody else. And this is what he's calling us to be, second mile Christians, because that way we can change the world. In Matthew 27, look at verse 32. Again, this is when Jesus, when Je- amen. This is when Jesus was being crucified. It says, verse 32, as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. See, again, it was the law for them to come and say, here, carry this burden. He didn't have a choice. He had to follow it. Even though it was Jesus' cross, he still had to carry it. This scripture leads us to believe that there was little opportunity to resist going that first mile. But yet, to go the second mile is a voluntary thing. And if you look at it, this is what I want to talk to us about today. There are certain things about the second mile that keeps most Christians from traveling on it. And I want to talk about that first. Why people don't travel on the second mile. Are y'all with me so far? All right, let's do this thing. Many people don't want to travel the second mile because the second mile is a lonely road. The second mile is a lonely road. Why? Because it's just you and the Lord. Nobody can see you. Nobody will give you props. Nobody is going to be on Prospect Avenue. Nobody's going to have any. It's just you and the Lord. You get no recognition. So thinking about that, you got to ask yourself, before I even start, am I a second mile Christian? 
Because sometimes when I do things, I want people to know. I want to make sure they say, hey, good job. A lot of people are like that. We just got to be honest. You're in church. Don't lie. A lot of people like to be praised. I'm not saying that's wrong to have attention and encouragement. No. But Jesus didn't go around looking to be praised. There are two types of Christians. Those that travel the second mile willingly and those that force others to travel the second mile. He said, well, what do you mean? What do you think about it? So many times, Jesus had to do so much more because a certain person didn't have faith. So Jesus had to go further because they didn't have faith. Jesus had to go to lonely places because when he healed somebody, he said, don't tell nobody. They went and told everybody. It forced Jesus to go to second mile because of their lack of faith. The Roman soldier was the reason the Jewish people traveled the second mile. Now, the second mile is not crowded. It's a lonely road. And there's a lot of people that return from the second mile. They may start out, but they stop because they get a little bit tired. They get a little bit disappointed. They get a little bit frustrated. Why? Because I served in kids' kingdom all the time, and I feel like I'm the only one serving. There's 450 people in this region. Why am I always doing double duty? Why am I always the one doing a second mile? How come nobody else is doing it? And see, we can start looking at everybody else and get frustrated and discouraged. We've got to remember that second mile is about you and the Lord. It's not about you and what everybody else is doing. So you say, well, they need to repent. True, but so do you. If your attitude is based on what everybody else is doing. Well, my Bible talk isn't doing enough. Nobody's doing enough for the poor. Nobody's doing to stop. First of all, it's between you and God. And secondly, don't criticize everybody, because criticism is not on the second mile road. Look in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. If you are walking down that second road and you're worried about what everybody else is doing, that means you're starting to look back. You're starting to look around. You're starting to look to the side. Travel on that second mile road between you and God. Now see, if somebody say, well, how's your quiet time? How's it going in your life? We get upset when people try to get involved. Okay, it's just you and God. Don't worry about nobody else. You and God. Can you handle that? See, it's important for us to understand. We may think we're in the second mile road, but yet if we're looking to the sides and behind and everybody else, we're not fit to even take that second mile walk. You know, I talked to our kids about this. We even talked again last night. I refreshed their memory that we're going to be a second mile household. You know what that means? That means that there's some paper, there's a dish, there's a spot, something sitting around. You need to pick it up. You say, well, I ate, and this is my dish. I take my dish to the sink. True, that's the first mile. But that dish that's not yours, that's the second mile. Now, how are you going to walk that second mile? Complaining? So the issue is, how are you a second mile Christian? You walk around, hmm, there's somebody's stuff. I'm going to leave it right there for a week if necessary to prove to them that they need to be not lazy in this house. Or do we go ahead and pick it up and deal with it? Now, some parents are saying, I do that already. Ooh, Lord, I'm so tired of that. 
Well, let me here encourage you on this. On that second mile, you not only do it, but now you teach them how they need to do it. And you got to hear what I'm saying. Teach. This is not teaching. Wait, did I tell you you better pick that up? Jerome Edward Jr. III, pick it up. Use all their names. Middle, second to middle, everything else. That's not teaching. That's yelling at somebody. But instead, you sit down and you teach how we need to be. So this is, this is, this is simple, but this is how our household is going to function. We're going to be second mile. And if there's something sitting there, y'all need to race to see who's going to pick it up. You know why? Because when mama's cooking and the food there, you race to come down and eat the food. Well, you need to race to see who's going to do the dishes also. Ooh, a little bit uncomfortable in here, huh? Why do people stop doing it? Because the road gets lonely. I've been on the lonely road since 2003. You've been on the wrong road since 2003. Because if it's you and the Lord, that's a good road. That's called the high road. That's Jesus' road. You don't worry about a date. Well, if nobody else is doing it, what do I do? Look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. He said, you know what? I'm willing to forgive Jesus, but I'm only going to do it seven times. Because you can get on every single one of my nerves and just start counting out seven. And so that's like walking to the stake. After seven, I'm done. I ain't going no further. Jesus said, no, 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 not seven, seven times seven. And seven was a number for perfection. So he's saying basically infinity. You just keep forgiving every time they come back and need forgiveness. Now, that could be a whole other sermon. Well, let me just let me just say focus. The illustration. A Coast Guard crew was summoned on a stormy night to rescue survivors from a seeking vessel. One member of the crew was fearful. Captain, he moans, if we leave, we'll never get back. The captain replied, we don't have to come back. We only have to go. You know, when you look, and there are certain people, this is Veterans Day. We honor them because they risk their lives. They do things without, am I going to make it back? You know, when we're in the fire department, sometimes I would go in a building. I didn't know if I was going to come out. But I had to go in there because somebody needed some help. That was one of the best times in our marriage, to be honest with you. Because before I went to work every day, we made sure we made up, we were hugging, gave her a kiss goodbye, because I didn't know if I was coming home. And it's like all those issues we used to have, it's like, that ain't nothing. Because I may not be back. We're going to get over everything. We're going to be a happy couple. I mean, that was some good times. You still are. Don't get me wrong. It's still good. Moving on. But there are some things that make you put life in perspective. The personal finish line is not the issue, guys. It's about going the second mile. Look in Hebrews chapter 11. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. It says, all these people, talking about the people of faith, all these heroes, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It says there's people in the Bible, these people of faith, they didn't even receive the things that they were promised. But they still live by faith. Sometimes we like to do things thinking, once I do this, then God's going to bless. God's going to do this. It's going to be different. Maybe it's not. But are you going to faithfully continue to go the second mile? See, that's part of the problem. If a one-miler Christian does something expecting the result to happen, I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast for a month, and it's going to change. And then when it doesn't, you get upset, and then just start gorging, food, whatever. Guys, even if it doesn't happen, we got to go that second mile. And the reason why people don't, because sometimes it's a lonely road and it's just you and God. But what better company can you have than God? I want to travel down the road by myself, me and God, or down the road, me and the Ilzebub. Which road do you want to take? Heaven or hell? But see, everybody in this room is on one of these roads. No, no, I'm in the middle. Because I, I was on the road there, but I'm, I like Jesus' road. You got to understand, there's like a line down the center. You can't be halfway in between. It's one or the other. It's light or darkness. Now, the second reason people don't like the second mile is the second mile will always be under attack. That second mile will always be under attack. There's always someone demanding of your time on that second mile. I find it it's usually the same people that we call kingdom rats. Again, there's the people that you don't ever see them at church until they need something. They need some benevolent help. They need a meal. They need a ride somewhere next week. So they come and, ooh, look at all these free Ubers. And then they come to church looking for something. That's called a kingdom rat. They just sit around the kingdom and nibble off what's going on. Guys, you got to understand. We've got to deal with sin and call what it is sin. Satan will always put roll bumps. He will put speed bumps on that second mile. He's going to put detour signs on that second mile. He's going to put under construction on that second mile. Why? So you will stop going that direction. get an attitude with somebody. Think about it. If you have an attitude with anybody in here, you won't go to second mile because you're going to be thinking about that person that whole time. You're going to be thinking about everything they don't do, everything they're not good at. You're just going to be bringing them down. So you know what? You won't ever get on the second mile if you have an attitude with anybody. That's why Jesus says, hey, if there's a problem, go resolve it. 
Don't go offer your gift. First, go resolve your issues. Resolve it. And everybody clapping don't have attitudes anymore. People not clapping had to think for a minute. Hmm. Do I like him or not? You know what else would be a, a, a bump in a two-second mile? Sometimes our friends can be a bump. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company corrupts good character. You may have some people that you just love hanging out with, but they don't help you spiritually. Now, your first thought is people out in the world, right? I'm talking about even in the church. There's people in here that won't talk to you about Jesus, but they'll talk to you about everything else. Let's go share our faith. No, it's Veterans Day. Let's create a party. Let's have a party. Let's sit at home and watch the party. Let's go to Bible party this week. No, it's kind of chilly outside. Let's just stay at home. Some of those friends are not leading you down the right path. Family members can be a roadblock. Look at Mark chapter 3, verse 20. Mark chapter 3, real quick. Mark chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Jesus was teaching and preaching. He had people around him. He didn't have time to eat. He was doing so much. And some of y'all remember in those days when you were working so hard for the Lord and you didn't, you missed a meal, and you didn't realize you missed a meal. So you got home. You were like, man, ooh, it's such a great day. Oh, I'm hungry. I missed a meal. Let me eat. You were working off the food of the Lord. They said he is out of his mind. You know, sometimes we don't have family members that think we're crazy. When I told my mama I'm moving to New York, she said, New York City. I thought I was one of them barbecue commercials. New York City. Yeah, that's too far away from me. You can't go that far, baby. It kind of tugged at me a little bit. And now I think about all them spankings she used to give me. No, I'm getting out of here, mama. No, we got to do what we got to do for God. Now she comes to visit, talked about moving up at some point. I'm like, okay, that's what you got to do. But sometimes, lastly, fear stops us from going on that second mile. Fear. Number one fear, if I am that nice, somebody's going to take advantage of me. You know how it is in, up in New York. Everybody out to get something. So the Bible says God has given us the spirit of power, not of fear. You cannot let fear stop you from going a second mile. We can expect attack from those who don't go the second mile. You know, there's some people that aren't going to go the second mile. They know it, and honestly, you know it. So what they're going to do, they're going to try to hold you back so you can't go the second mile. There'll be a lot of criticism on the second mile. Are you going to church again? You just went to church Sunday? And you're going back again another Sunday? That's two Sundays in a row. And now you're going to go to some Bible talk or some midweek for all the men? That's kind of weird. Why all men getting together? Why are you doing that? People will start criticizing everything you do. When you hear that criticism, you need to be like those yellow flashing lights that say, slow down, because that is not the second mile. Now, 
What does the second mile provide? The second mile leads to happiness. The second mile leads to happiness. See, that first mile is required by law, according to what they had back in that day. The second mile was voluntary. That was totally up to the people. The first mile is like, well, he's a nice guy. He did what he was supposed to do. But the second mile is a wow. That was way beyond what I expected. That was incredible. That's the second mile. Now, I hope everyone is tuned in to what I'm saying to us here. Because I'm going to give you the secret to happiness. Number one, happiness inside your heart never seeks recognition. Happiness never seeks recognition. People with the serve me attitude will never be content or happy. You know, I, I got I to gotta brag a little bit here about our Bronx football team because we're still undefeated. Two years in a row, undefeated. Uh, we're going to be playing prayerfully in the championship next week. But the thing is, they were always good, but they didn't always play together as a team. Now, nobody really cares who scores. Everybody just want to win. And so now you got a team that's a lot better than several individuals that are good. And that's what we got to understand. Teamwork, unity can do incredible things. You say, well, that's because they got Jesus on their side. We're playing against other people in the church. It ain't about Jesus on their side. We all got Jesus on our side. But even when you, everybody has Jesus on their side, you can still have this unity. But if you unify and Jesus, you're going to win. Guys, it's important. The second mile people never look for recognition. Some of you guys don't even know who leads our kids' team. Don't even know who's over security of the building. Don't even know who counts money. You know what? You probably never know because they're not looking for the glory. They're not looking for recognition because they're the second miler. Secondly, happiness is a reward in, of serving. Happiness is a reward from serving. Matthew chapter 16. Now, why is it not as many amens on the serving part and the giving part? That's all right. We're going to get there. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. When one denies himself, you no longer make provisions to be satisfied. It's no longer about you. It's about the team. It's about God. It's about everybody. You know, I don't think a man should sit at the table and have his coffee cup and is empty and just expect his wife to come fill it up. Just tap on it. Take it up and down. Now, if she wants to come fill it up, that's her business. That's fine. Amen. But to him, for him to just expect it because that's my wife. That's your job. That's what you're supposed to do, woman. Even the baby's laughing. Like, that fool, he's about to get hit with a skinny. No, you shouldn't just expect those things. But if they did it, amen. 
See, this is what we're talking about, and, and vice versa. The woman shouldn't say anything. I ain't got to go on that one. But Christian joy and happiness never comes from being served. It comes from serving. You won't find a scripture that even hints at somebody receiving someone's service. Like, you need to sit there and be served. It's nowhere in the Bible does it even hint at be the one to receive all these servings from other people. Again, what does the second mile lead to? It leads to happiness in the home. Your home can be so much happier if it's a home of the second mile. If you're living in a quarter-mile home, you don't even want to go back home because you know there ain't nothing but issues there. So you try to stay out as late as you can so you don't have to be home and deal with all that. We got to stop thinking, my kids make my home a quarter-mile home. Those kids had to learn it from somewhere. We can't blame our kids for everything. But think about it. If you were a second miler, your spouse was a second miler, your kids were a second miler, your roommate was a second miler, you want to be at home and join that peaceful refuge. But if somebody's not doing the second mile, now you got issues in the home. When the husband puts the wife first, wife puts the husband first, everybody wants to be at home. It's a happy place. When the kids see that, then now they know how they need to live when they grow up. Because now they've seen what a second mile home should be like. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. A couple of verses here. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. First one. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, my youngest daughter, she said, uh, we're just not doing well spiritually in this house. We just crumble. Everything's falling apart spiritually. What's wrong with us? And so we're sitting there looking like, what's wrong with us? You know what I'm thinking? What's wrong with you? I said, oh, we'll make a change. Tell you what, we're going to pray every day, 7 o'clock in the morning. Let's get up and do that, all of us, together. First day, everybody up, ready to go. Second day, I hear alarms going off everywhere. Ain't nobody moving. I'm like, oh, no, 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 we getting up. Everybody getting up. Third day, alarms going off, nobody moving. I'm like, what's wrong with everybody here? We're crumbling. It's been about two weeks now, hasn't it? So we've been just praying and praying and praying. Now people are getting up on their own. It's a lot easier. We're praying together before we go off to school and everything. you got to make a decision how it's going to be in your household. The decision was made when my wife and I took a prayer walk and I said, you know what? I am not being the spiritual man I need to be in the house. I'm not led us like we should. We've not been praying every day like we used to. We're not doing devotionals like we used to. And it's my fault. I'm not going to blame you, Lauren. I ain't going to blame them kids. Them kids. Our kids. (laughs) But the real reason was I needed to change. And once I changed, the household started changing. Too many times we're waiting and looking for everybody else around us to change. It starts with us on that second mile. The Bible is full of second mileage. 
Think about Noah. He was a second mile. Not only did he have to build an ark, but he also had to watch his, day, his family members knocking on it, trying to get in. He had to let them drown. We think about Abraham. Man, is that a second mile? Not just take your kid to be sacrificed, but then you get the knife and then you go to kill him. I mean, he had to go to second mile. I mean, there's so many stories about people in the second mile. Look over in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to show you something real quick. It is hilarious, little kid. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with them, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had, been, had come out. Joanna, wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. They not only were blessed by Jesus, they had demons cast out, but they were so grateful, they said, you know what, y'all don't even need to work. We're going to go to second mile and take care of you out of our own means. It wasn't just once a year, an international Jesus Day of Giving. This was every day that they made sure their needs were met. All 12 of them. It wasn't just Jesus they took care of. They took care of Jesus and the twelve. Even old stingy Judas, they were taking care of him. Jesus could have said, no, leave him a little bit to the side. Don't give him as much. But Jesus didn't act like that. He let them all be blessed with this. Why? Because these women were second-mile Christians. Now, here's my last point before we wrap it up. The second mile for me will be different than the second mile for you. That second mile for each of us in here is going to be different. Let me explain. I'm not excused for the second mile because I'm a minister. That doesn't mean I don't have to go to the second mile. But it also means I'm not required to do more than the other Christians. In Jesus' eyes. Now we got to remember this because some people think, oh, you work for the church. That means you, you go on my beck and call. You need a beeper. You need a pager. I need your cell number. I need you to do everything for me. Slow your roll. That ain't how it works. Wasn't nobody beeping Jesus back in that day. But I need to be my own second mile Christian. I need to be able to go and do things. I do have a higher standard because God has called me this. Absolutely. But it's not a different standard than yours. Because you need to be a second mile Christian just like I need to be a second mile Christian. The fact is, anybody that's a Christian should be a second-mile Christian. What's it say in Romans chapter 3, verse 23? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means all need to be a second-mile Christian. And it say only those destined for the ministry need to be a second No, no, all have sinned, which means all need to be a second-mile Christian. You know, when we first came around... I know what I did. Some of y'all can remember this. Even in church, when church was over, people were pulling each other to the side, had Bibles out, talking to each other about their lives, talking about kids. One little kid running down there, anybody could snatch him up. Hey, slow down. Stop. Sit down. We had the freedom because we were family to just deal with whatever we saw. But for some reason, some people have closed those family doors. Don't talk about my kids. Don't mess with my kids. Uh-uh. They walk on water.
Turn over to Isaiah chapter 35. What's not on the second mile is complainers, jealous travelers, critical people. They are not on the second mile. But I'm going to close out with this scripture. Isaiah 35, we're going to read verse 8 through 10, but I want to put a picture up here on the screen for us here to see which road you want to travel down. There's a second mile road, and there's a road that's a little bit wider for everybody else to go down. Now Isaiah, now keep that in mind as we read what it says here in Isaiah 35. Keep that picture in your mind. In verse 8, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in the way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. That's what's on the second mile road. Question is, which road are you going to travel down? We saw two people make a decision today to travel down the second mile road. But you know what? It doesn't stop at baptism. Because now they're just walking down it. And they're going to have the same detour signs, roadblocks, construction signs as we have. But your second mile is going to be different than my second mile. But it doesn't mean you're not supposed to travel down it. I want to encourage us today to think about that. You can't be on a second mile with any issues with anybody. You just can't journey down that road of forgiveness. You cannot be on a second mile if you have attitudes or you're looking for the glory. It's all about all of us, the team, the church coming together. That is the beginning of the second mile Christmas. And we're going to talk more about second mile in our relationships, second mile in other things as this year ends. But I wanted to give us this intro to understand this really isn't an option if we call ourselves true Christians. Because nowhere in the Bible does Jesus ever say go a third mile. It stops at the second mile because the second mile never ends. You start going that second mile journey, it's all the way to the day Jesus calls you up into heaven. There is no third mile. So either you're on this second mile or you're not on the right road. You got to think about this and face reality. Don't point at everybody else. Quit thinking about your spouse and your kids. Think about you and God because sometimes that second mile is a lonely road, but it always brings happiness and to God be the glory. Amen.